And yet another wonderful episode. I've been dying to get Richard Smith on Keto Pro. Um, Richard, oh, you know, we, we I, I met him properly on the GB Carnivores thing that we do every Tuesday evening. You can find it on my my uh, live on my YouTube channel, um, Phil Escott YouTube channel, GB Carnivores Q and A with uh, Richard and Ben and me and um, Jonathan Griffiths and. Um, and Stephen as well. Stephen is, you know, he calls himself Coach Stephen. Uh, and he's brilliant as well. They're all brilliant. And I just wanted to get Richard on because he's got the most incredible story. I mean, if you see his picture on Facebook, like his, uh, or the pictures, of, it's a famous picture goes around with him and he's just got his head down. He's totally ripped. Looks incredible. You wouldn't think this is a guy who was type 2 diabetic, covered in acne, all sorts of other health problems, could hardly walk up the stairs. It's one of the best turnarounds I've ever seen. I wanted to get him on to talk about his story. Um, he thought it was going to be more of a, him, you know, letting rip on the science and the biochemistry and stuff, which he's so brilliant at. But I'll, I'll do a part two with him soon. But I wanted to get his story because it's a beautiful story, really inspiring. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. And uh, underneath, there'll be all the links to to Richard's stuff. And um uh, everything he does and his supplement company which is something that i'm usually not into but the way he deals with it the way he thinks about it and the way he's produced them you just check it out very 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 interesting anyway uh down below will be richard's links down below will be how to join ben and my big fat challenge just go to my link tree you'll find all that sort of stuff but if you're listening to this it's 12th of january today friday as i'm recording it on the 20th it should be out over the weekend i'm hoping um, if you're listening to this before the 20th of January 2024, have a look at waronhealth.uk. The link will be below. How to book for our event coming up in the Peak District. Beautiful Peak District. Natasha Campbell McBride speaking. She's on my podcast. Go listen to her. Dr. Rachel Brown speaking. She's on my podcast recently. Have a listen to her. Dr. Sarah Pugh. Absolutely wonderful podcast. Just the one before this one, I believe. Um yeah, she's great. They're all speaking. And come along and meet us. Carnivore food. You can get accommodation there. It's all at the link below, waronhealth.uk. And I'm hoping that Richard's going to turn up. I've got to lift because my car's off the road. Richard's car is also buggered and off the road. And so he's got to come quite away from Wales. So I'm hoping he's going to be there as well. So although he's not speaking, because he was supposed to, but he didn't pick up a message. Um, but he'll be speaking at our next event, I expect. But... Come along, hang out with him anyway, pick his brains. You'll see how amazing he is. Come and have dinner with him and ask him a load of questions. And a load of other wonderful people that, that, that will be there too. So anyway, Richard Smith, Keto Pro. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Red Pill Buddha's podcast. And um, I've got Richard Smith on. Yay, Ripped Richard, Keto Pro. And what a fantastic story he's got. So I, I, I'm just going to let you launch into, into what happened, Richard, when you were a big chumper like me. I think 
I think we had, we were talking just before we came on. I think we lost a similar amount of weight. I think you lost a bit more than me and you also got a lot more ripped, but you were in a proper mess, weren't you? Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just a bit. I think that's uh, probably an understatement, but. I was, in, not... I was in a different kind of mess, but you were, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it, I was clinically obese, type two diabetic, suffered with chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, arthritic pains, daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind, for which I was on three different medications for. Um, in my mid to late 20s, I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping or being severely out of breath. And I was told that it was a fact of life. Uh, I was told that I was going to be on meds for the rest of my life. And that it was just a fact of getting older. And you know, bearing in mind, I was in my mid 20s, <laughs> which is absolutely bonkers. But I, I accepted it for, for a long period of time. Um, I had severe skin conditions. So, you know, when you make these changes that we have made and someone says something like years down the line and you remember, shit, are we allowed to swear on the podcast? I'm guessing we are. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sentence <laughs> enhancement. It's a, <laughs> I like it. So it was, um, you know, people would say things and you'd realize that, you know, I used to suffer with those issues for a long time, but now I don't suffer them anymore. And you forget about them. So I used to suffer with severe skin conditions. I had acne and boils all over my face, all over my back. There was never a period um, during my adult life that I don't remember being in pain and feeling um, not in the right state to be going out in public, you know? So, I mean, I'm not one of these people who is, is all about how they look, but when your face is full of these boils, um, you know, it, 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 it can prevent you from living your life. So that would lead to, or, or compound the anxiety and depression. I would wear, I would wear mascara and things to, uh, or foundation, Foundation's the right one, isn't it? To hide the boils on my face just so I could I could go out, you know? Um, but yeah, I was in in not in a very good place. It um these this medication, you know, I was told that I would be on for life. And I tried every diet and lifestyle that you can think of. Uh, you know, I I ate from the eat well plate, I consumed my whole grains, I avoided my saturated fats. Um you know, I cooked in my seed oils. I was using the one cal spray. Uh, I was trying to be healthy and fit. I was trying to be more, you know, more mobile. I was trying to do more. I was trying to eat less. Uh, yes, I had spells where I used to consume crap, you know, but we all do. You know, we all, I, I, at least I think so. I went through, I love food. I, I used to love a plate of broccoli, you know, with uh, a knob of butter. I used to, oh, I, butter, I used to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. butter. <laughs> yeah. I used to love broccoli. Um, I used to love veg. I used to love Burger King, McDonald's, KFC, Indian food, Chinese. I love everything. Um, the only thing that I've never been able to get on uh, is parsley sauce. Parsley sauce just it doesn't do it for me whatsoever. I thought it was one of those things that, as I grew up, I would I would become more accustomed to. But I didn't. I tried it later in my life. I passed it. So it, was, it was a massive no-go for me. But 
Were you were you worried that you were cutting out a whole food group there? I can't do parsley sauce. How can I ever be healthy? Yeah. Yeah. You always feel like you miss it out on something because everybody was telling me how delicious this parsley sauce was. And I remember trying it in school and and feeling physically sick. So, but there was, there were lots of foods that I couldn't consume in school. Um, You know, I used to live on things like um, beans on toast for long periods of time, Uh, high in protein and fiber. Allegedly. <laughs> there was only one type of food that I couldn't consume at school, and that was school meals. They were revolting. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, but, you know, it's... As as I grew up, I began to enjoy all sorts of foods, whether it, whether it was rubbish, whether it was healthy, vegetables, um, cool school foods... Wherever it was, I, I'm a foodie. I love my food, and I still love my food now. Um, but I tr- I tried everything. I tried all sorts of diets and lifestyles. And when I tried to become healthy by eating from the food pyramid, doing all the things that we are told to do, I put even more weight on, and I became even more unhealthy. And I remember thinking one day that bread used to bloat me. I used to feel very bloated after eating bread. And I ate bread with everything. So I thought, I'm going to take bread out and see how I get on. So I took bread out for two months. Within two months, I lost two stone. Two stone in two months. And I I wasn't dieting. Um, I took bread out and I probably replaced that with with other foods. Uh, But I dropped two stone in two months. Um, My bloating went away. I felt a lot better. I had better brain clarity. Um, I felt lighter on my feet. Uh, obviously, you would doing doing a, you know two stone down. Um, so I persevered for a little uh, for a little bit longer. And a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a long time, I bumped into him, and he said that he he was flabbergasted with the weight that I had lost. So he said, "You must be ketogenic. You must be in ketosis." And I was like, "Fucking hell! Don't swear at me." <laughs> I, I'd never, I'd never heard of of keto, you know, the keto diet, ketosis. This this was probably about eleven years ago, so this was quite new to the UK. So I went away and I thought, well, I must be. I'm carb restricting. To, I didn't even know what a macronutrient was, so all, all I was doing was trying to listen to my body. But he explained about carbohydrates, and I thought, well, I must be. I'm restricting carbs to that degree that I must be ketogenic. Um. So I tested, I bought the urine test strips, I tested, and I wasn't, I was not producing ketones, and I was gutted after after what he he told me. I was still consuming other foods that I thought were healthy. I was still consuming lots of fruit. Um, I was still consuming um, uh, cereal, for example. You know, I yes, it's a grain, but, you know, I, I didn't, you don't think, you don't, you don't see that connection at the time. You don't, you know, breadcrumbs on chicken nuggets. You don't realize is bread. You know, <laughs> yet yeah, it's in the name. Um, it amazes me when people say I'm giving up sugar, and so they don't put that spoonful of sugar in their tea, but they carry on eating cereal and toast and stuff. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? But it, I, I was one of those people. Yeah. So sugar, all carbohydrates break down into sugar. All carbohydrates. I did not understand or know this. I thought they were two different things. If you read the back of a packet of cereal, for example, 
70 to 80 grams of that is carbohydrate. If you look at what sugars, it's, it, it's quite low. So you automatically assume there's, there's a lot less sugar in there than one would believe. But it's another market employee. It's a market employee by the food industry to trick you into thinking there's no sugar. Every one gram of those carbs, sugars eventually, that of which sugars is of which sugars immediately, the rest will store as glycogen and sugar eventually. So 70 to 80% of that, of that meal, if, if that's what you can call it, is sugar. But I didn't understand that. So I was still eating lots of foods that I thought were healthy and I was not producing ketones. So I be. I became really strict. I thought I'll eat foods that I, I thought were really healthy for me. So I went on to um, um, tinned corned beef <laughs> because I thought that was really good for me. Um, and I, I remember eating corned beef uh, and very little else for a little while. T tins of tuna. Um, tins of tuna in sunflower oil because sunflower oil is good for you. Yeah. And I... It took, a, it took a further two weeks. Two weeks, which were the hardest two weeks of my life. I genuinely thought I was going to die. And I'm not joking when I say that. I, I went to bed one, one night and I said to my wife that I think, I think I'm going to die. This is how unwell that I feel. Will you come and check on me and make sure that I'm okay? Um... And she, you know, she looked at me as if like I was talking bollocks, but I genuinely meant it. I, I felt so unwell, but I was so unhappy with my life. I was so depressed. I had nothing to be depressed about. I have a beautiful wife. I had a beautiful house, uh, a beautiful little girl. And that house we don't have anymore, by the way. We've sold all that to put into the business, but that's another story. Maybe we can get into that. But it, um, I, had, I had a good job. So, you know, I, I had nothing to be depressed about. I didn't have any money worries, but I was depressed. Now, I later found out that they, this was connected to the food that I was eating. And we can get into that as we go along. But it's I was depressed. I was suffering with severe anxiety. I was on uh, antidepressants, beta blockers, all these sorts of things. Um, I became addicted to tramadol, the prescription drug tramadol. I be, technically became an alcoholic. So I would drink uh, what started with a glass of wine every night. One glass turned into two. Two is nearly a bottle. So then I was on a bottle a night. Two bottles becomes, sorry, one bottle becomes two bottles. Two bottles soon becomes three. So at my peak, I was drinking three bottles of wine a night. And yeah. it was cheap crap as well because I couldn't afford to buy expensive wine. So it was the three, three bottles for a tenner in the local shop. Um, so it wasn't even nice wine, but I felt that I had to drink a glass of wine. I needed it, you know, and everybody have, everybody says this to me. You know, I've, I've had a stressful day. I need a glass of wine or I need a beer or a whiskey or whatever it is. And that was a slippery slope for me because as I say, one led into two and two glasses led into three bottles. Um, and I drink that every night. I had a stressful job. I was a purchasing manager for an electrical engineering company. Um, I thought that was stressful. Shit, what, what I do now is more stressful than anything I've ever done before. But I convinced myself that I needed it. And because I was so busy, uh, at the time, I was working three jobs. So I, I was uh, working for an electrical engineering company. I started delivering for an Indian takeaway. 
So I would work for the electrical engineering company from 8 till 4 p.m. Then I would go home, get changed, and I would go 4.30, sorry. Then I would go into work for as a delivery driver for extra cash. Well, um, I, you know, I heard about that, Rich. I heard about you and that everybody was complaining that there were a few samosas down. But <laughs> Never. I was the yeah. best delivery driver ever, let me tell you. Um, I would drive for the, the takeaway from 6 p.m. till 12. Uh, then, you know, I would, and that was seven days a week. I worked that job seven days a week. Um, I then started an airport transfer business in between. So after finishing in the takeaway, I would drive people to Heathrow and Gatwick, which is a three, four hour trip for me. Uh, and then I'd go straight into work at 8 a.m. the next day. Um, all all for, for cash, basically, just to, you know, keep up with, uh, I guess, keep up with the Joneses, be able to take. Uh, at, at that time, I was... Um, I was I was with somebody else. So I wasn't with my wife or my I didn't have my little girl at that point. This was going back a year or two prior. Um, but during that time, uh, I would eat crap on the go because I I I didn't didn't have time to make proper food. So during the the shifts in the Indian, I would have food there while driving, you know, a bag of chips as I'm driving. Why not? There's no, you know, nothing wrong with chips, is there? Get the potatoes. <laughs> And then driving on the airport transfer runs, I would stop at McDonald's and Burger King and eat when there was nobody in the car. And then I'd stop up there and have food. And so I was constantly on the go. So that that was the start of the problem for me. This is when all the weight came on because I was um, not very active. Uh, I was not sleeping. So cortisol was through the roof. I was eating crap. Um, and then, you know, I, I parted ways with, with, with my partner at that time. Uh, met, met Amanda, my now wife. Um, but I was still obese. Um, so why she got with me in the first place, who knows? But <laughs> well, you was... see, she, she must have been a chubby chaser. She must be disappointed with you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's who knows. I I do you know it as it as coincidence would have it, she was we bumped into each other on a night out, and um she caught my eye and we were you know, flirting and I was, I was drunk. So this is the only time that I would ever have confidence was when I was drunk. This is why I used to drink so much. And after talking for two minutes, we realized that she was a customer of mine from the airport transfer work. So I had taken her and her family on, on a run, um, of which she had now split up with her husband and she was single. Uh, and I had split up from, you know, the, my partner. Uh, and, and that's where we met. So we met through that common connection and then you know, things sort of progressed quickly. Um, she fell pregnant very quickly. We married uh, and our little girl came along. And that's how the transition began. But I was already on my path of ill health and, and eating crap on the run and all this sort of stuff. And it was with her that I tried to start eating more healthy and gained even more weight. But it's, I, um, just, I just had this vision of her wandering, your eyes meeting across the room and her wandering up to you and saying, I was sick in the back of your taxi. <laughs> Do you remember me? <laughs> well, she she was so I used to do airport transfers, so it was taking her family to the airport. Um, so yeah, she, she wasn't drinking in the but I I tried to avoid those sorts of things to be honest. But it's um because they never used to pay. I dealing with drunken idiots, you know, was uh, and I was one of them. So I I knew how bad drunken idiots would be. But 
Yeah, it, it wasn't a good place to be. Um, I became, as I say, addicted uh, addicted to tramadol, alcohol, um, and severely depressed and suffered with anxiety. I would very rarely leave our house. I would leave the house to go to work, um, and I would leave my work to come home to the house, and that was it. So I spent my life living in boxes. I would leave my box. I would walk two feet to jump into my metal box on my drive. I would drive my metal box to a big box to which I would go into, and then I would go into a small box inside the big box, my office inside my plate, my workplace. And then I would perform that in reverse on the way home. I wouldn't go out very often. Um, I wouldn't go out for food because I hated the way I looked. Um, if If I did ever go out for food, I would have to sit with my back to the wall so I could see everybody because I always thought people were looking at me and talking about me behind my back. Um, so super paranoid. Um, I, I wouldn't go to the cinema. Uh, I wouldn't go anywhere. And that's not a good place to be when, when you have a family. So I read somewhere in, in, on your website that um, you were taking practically a whole pack of paracetamol or something a day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I, the, the medication... I got, to, I got to that stage. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And it's not good. It's not good anyway. It's not good for your liver and kidneys. Um, yeah, 32 paracetamol uh, a day is what I got up to take in generally. Um, there's, so that would be two packs. There's 16 packs in a paracetamol. I would take 32 on days where my migraines were severe because the the medication I was prescribed stopped working. I tried every migraine drug on the market I always had a headache. Um, I always had semi-blurred vision. Uh, I had my eyes tested and it was none of that. Uh, the only thing that would keep them away was I, I had to take migraine medication daily and then I, I had special medication if the migraine started to, to progress. If it got past a certain point, I would be blind and bedridden for three days. So you can't, every day you're fighting this migraine. Um, light reflecting off a car window would trigger it. Stress, lack of sleep. But it was all. It was always there. It was, the migraine was constant. So it, it, it felt I as if... I, I, used to, I used to get them too, and then they disappeared. But it, it's amazing something you said earlier on about all these sort of ailments, and you look back and you can't remember them. Somebody sent me a, a scan of two pages of my... That arthritis, the best thing that ever happened to me book that I wrote. And I wrote it like 10 years ago, so I, I didn't remember. And they sent me this saying, wow, look at that. It was from a letter that I sent to a rheumatologist. And there was like two pages of, of various symptoms and ailments. I'm looking at them going, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten. It's amazing, isn't it? You look yeah. back at what we actually put ourselves through. <clears throat> but you don't you don't realize that it's all connected at the time. These are all separate issues or at least we're told. But the fact is they all come they all come back down to, to, to two things, uh, inflammation and insulin resistance. And I know insulin resistance within our community, you know, because of the Randall cycle, they say it doesn't really exist. It's, but in the sense that we know, as far as the general public understand insulin resistance, um, and those are the two driving factors of, of all ill health. And everything stems from those, but we don't, you don't put two and two together. You, you see these things as all different things. I've got a, a weight problem. I suffer with migraines. I've got arthritic pains. I suffer with anxiety, depression. And you end up taking medication for all of these different things. And then you end up taking medication to 
combat the side effects of the medication and so on and so forth. It's it's crazy. But it um super long story short, my life, you know, wasn't in a good place. So this is why. So this this is my my short version as to why that I I <laughs> why I said that um I went to bed and I was prepared to die basically because I, I wasn't happy with my life. Um and Looking back, that was incredibly selfish because, you know, I I, I then had a daughter and a wife. Um, <clears throat> but you don't see things the way that you should. Things are not in perspective. Anyway, so I went to bed that night and I genuinely thought that I wasn't going to wake up. I was craving, you know, chocolate and sweets. My body was screaming out for sugar. But I decided to fight it. I woke up the next day and I felt like a million dollars. I woke up the next day and I felt the best that I had ever felt in my entire life. And I think that that ill health, me feeling like I was going to die the night before was because I'd been combating you know, sugar and carbs now for a couple of weeks trying to become ketogenic. But I was still consuming, as I say, foods that I wasn't familiar with. But you know, I, I had a, a proper good stab at this over the last two weeks. And I believe that that was my body's last ditch attempt in order to trick me into putting this drug back in. This was my body, an addiction basically saying, you know, you need this, put it in now. It was my body's last ditch attempt to, because it knew once that switch had flicked that there was no going back. And I tested, I was producing ketones, and I was ecstatic. And then you're chasing the ketones. You're chasing how deep you can, be, you know, become ketogenic. And and you know that that's fine at the time. It doesn't quite work out that way. But it's um, you know that these are things that you do. You want to see the darkest purple you can on on the urine strips. And I continued on my journey uh, over the course of twelve months. I lost 107 pound. Uh, reversed my diabetes. I was now migraine-free, pain-free, depression, anxiety-free. And I say depression, anxiety-free, as free as you can be from these, because I think if, if you suffer with them, I think they're always there. But instead of being this all-encompassing, uh, overwhelming entity, you can now, or at least then, I, I was able to crush it into a little ball and throw it over my shoulder as if it wasn't there. And that was something that I can deal with. You know, I, I, I get invited now on podcasts such as we're doing now, public speaking events with thousands of people, I never would have, I would genuinely wouldn't have done that for a million pound previously because my anxiety and depression is, is so bad. And now I do it for free. So <laughs> a complete, a complete 180, but it's um, That's great. Isn't it? What blows me away about you? I mean, we do this GB carnivore thing and you know, I've, I've been studying diet and stuff for about 40 odd years. I've been always really into it, but I was just going down the wrong paths, you know, writing books on plant-based eating and Ayurveda and whatever in the 90s. But I tend to go into the more practical thing, even though I've studied and studied. Every time I get on a call with you, you know, one of those Q&As, I'm like, fuck, this dude knows his stuff. I mean, seriously, I, I, I don't have a brain that can, that can take in all this biochemical thing. I kind of know what to do and I can tell people what to do. <clears throat> but what's going on in their body? No. And I think it's just amazing. I mean, what I wanted to ask you was, at what point in this process did you really start studying all that stuff? And, and what did you actually look for and discover? What was that light bulb moment when you knew you were on the right track and really wanted all that knowledge? 
Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. It's um, yeah, that's the, one of the best compliments I think I've ever had in regards to nutrition. It's this has become my life. It I changed my life through going literally going against the grain, um, doing the things that I was told not to do, and it was when I went back to my doctor and reversed my diabetes, and I was now looking fairly tidy, you know, I was quite lean, <clears throat> still on my journey, but I was medication free. And he said to me that, you know, it's, what you've done is fantastic, but this diet isn't healthy. And, you know, you, um, you need to start eating carbohydrates and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, this, all this fat is going to kill you. Well, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy for his, um, his controller's bank balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it. And it was in that moment that I realized that my doctor didn't know as much as I thought he did. Now, we put doctors on a pedestal, and this isn't a, we work with doctors, and I've got a lot of respect for doctors. We work with the enlightened ones, doctors who have studied nutrition off their own back and looked into real um, randomized controlled trials in regards to cholesterol and saturated fats and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and not just parroted the crap that they've been fed by the pharmaceutical companies through uh, the epidemiology studies. But, you know, generally, I think a doctor has your best interest at heart. They, uh, at least I don't believe somebody goes into that profession. You know, yes, okay, there's money in there, but, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that they go into that profession in order to make a difference. But doctors are trained in medication and if you go to see a doctor with a headache, they give you a headache pill. If you go in with depression, it's an antidepressant. If you go in with inflammation, they give you an anti-inflammatory because that's how they're trained. They're not trained to look at the root cause and they don't have time to look at the root cause. And this is exactly what I had time to do. By doing this inadvertently, I realized that all of these things came from my diet and lifestyle. And I began telling everyone, people were asking me, you know, how have you lost all of this weight? You know, you, you, a lot of people said I look like a heroin addict because I'd lost weight so quickly. Um, and that's another thing. My family said to me that um, this, this fat isn't good for you. You know, you can't, you, you, you're going to die basically if you continue on this path. And I remember saying to, to, to my family that um, I, I think it was my mother. Uh, you know, I remember saying, look, mom, I, this is the healthiest I've ever felt. Something that makes me feel this good cannot be bad for me. So regardless of what, you know, you were saying and my doctor and all these other medical professionals are saying, um, I need to listen to my body. So then I began researching. And, you know, when you start researching, yes, you know, keto is going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll find a study which says the opposite. You think, oh, well, that's interesting. Why is this study saying this and this one saying that? But 10, 11 years ago, there was very little available in research and what was available was primarily from the States. And there was a lot of miss, excuse me, a lot of misinformation in regards to certain things. And I I made every mistake you can think of. So I was just trying to listen to my body and, and I, I fell into every pitfall you can think of. Um, and I made lots of mistakes, which I think is sometimes the best way to learn. Because I made those mistakes, I can now 
educate people and explain that you don't you don't need to make the mistakes I did. Here's the shortcut. You don't have to go through all the crap that I went through. But I wanted to understand why. Exactly, exactly what I did. Every single wrong move. I mean, if I if I knew then what I know now, I'd have got out of it scot-free. Like I got this horrible arthritis out of about 30 joints without any damage. But I've got one wrist and one knee that really have suffered for me. You know, it's got some da- they've got some damage in there. But I look back and I think it's worth the price, isn't it? Some of these things that you go through and, and then you can really help people. You know, somebody comes to me with with uh, rheumatoid arthritis or something. And, and, and if you've been through it, it gives you a unique perspective, the tiny little tweaks that you can do. And you can see every little thing that somebody's doing wrong. It's, it, it, it's great to have been a complete twat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It, uh, 100%. It's, um, <clears throat> I often wonder where I would be now if, if I knew this then, how different my life could have been, you know, would, um, you know, <clears throat> and we'll go on to this. Now. I, I went on to become a professional athlete. Um, but how far could that have gone? How far could any, uh, but the, the key there is that I wouldn't have gone down the path that I did if I wasn't so unwell, if I was healthy, eating cheeseburgers all day, or I, at least if I felt healthy, I would have continued to do so, which is exactly what people do today. But I think, it is a blessing because we were so unwell. It's allowed us to go down a path that we wouldn't have gone down. And, you know, so I don't regret anything. Um, I've, I'm not one for, for regretting things that I've done. I've made some big mistakes in my life, um, you know, on a personal level as well as, you know, from a nutritional perspective. But, and you know, you, these mistakes you make hurt people. I don't regret. I regret hurting people going off on a tangent now, but I don't regret the mistakes I've made because they've made me, they've made me regret the mistakes I've made and they've made me learn my lesson from, from things. So I don't regret anything that I've gone through in my life. And you're right. I think being at the twats is, is, <laughs> is what led us to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one, one thing you say there, you know, people, if they feel kind of healthy on these things, um, <clears throat> When I started, I, 2017 or something, somebody said in a paleo group, I understand you're carnivore. Can you start up a little group and help us with it? It was only for like about five people. I think there's 20,000 on there or something now. It wow. grew and grew, that Facebook group. But at the beginning, and then it got to about 100 or so, and, and I started to get all the all the stories, of the healing stories. And the ones that were coming up the most commonly in the beginning were from partners who, you know, their partner was sick and they'd done it for some reason. And the partners said, well, I'm healthy, but I'll do it to support you. And I started to get these testimonials from them going, I didn't realize I felt that bad. Yeah. You know, the last bit of the belly fat's gone. I don't have any more headaches. I'm sleeping better. My skin's cleared up. All of these things that they think are normal. And that's amazing. So those so-called healthy people that you're talking about, they're not really, are they, these days? No, they're not. It's um, they. You, I think you work between certain parameters, and like I see it all the time with athletes, athletes who achieve incredible things, but they don't realize that they could be achieving far greater. And and that's the thing. You're stuck in this. You know, it, it, you're stuck in this in this rabbit hole or this um, uh, tunnel vision. And because it's working, you don't 
believe that things could be better. But when you start to make these changes, you begin, as you say, the headaches go away, inflammation goes away, you you, you repair and heal quicker, you be, you have less colds and coughs and viruses and and so on and so forth. But it's um it's a shame that it takes something like that for people to realize. But you know, it's that's a blessing to us, and and that's why we are where we are today. But it it was it was in that moment that you know I began, um, and same as you, people were asking me how have you lost the weight. So I was telling them, and they said, "Oh, that doesn't seem right." Well, look, it's worked for me. So I began coaching. I began coaching for free, uh, and I started my business like a coaching business. I wasn't charging. I was doing this for free because I felt like I felt like I'd found a secret. And I wanted to tell the world about my secret. And I was telling everybody that would yeah, listen. It, um, and I still... Coming back to that. So it was... Now you're in a position where you're telling people to do things that their doctor is telling them is bad for them. So then the questions start coming. Now, this advice I was giving was free. But then it's, you know, people start questioning things. Like you, you spend your time helping someone and then, you know... They, you don't hear of them for a couple of weeks. And then when you finally get hold of them, oh, look, you know, I spoke to my doctor and they said that this, you know, saturated fat is bad. Meat and red meat is bad. I shouldn't be consuming sodium. You know, I need to be eating carbohydrate. And then you think, fucking hell, I've just given weeks of my time for free to help you. And you've just thrown the towel in. Um, And that was, that was really disconcerting because, you know, it, this is time extensive, you know, you and I give up so much time for pod- podcasting these lives. Um, and sometimes I think people don't don't really, you know, yes, it's great. It's fantastic. You and I chatting now. It's brilliant on the lives when we get to chat and stuff. But it it's late in the evening at the end of a working day where, you know, we don't we, we don't have to be doing those things. And it is difficult on family life sometimes. And I think when you tot up all of those hours, it's an awful lot of time in the week that we give for free in order to educate people. Which is no, fantastic. You, you you might do it for free. I do it because I'm a highly paid shill for the meat industry. I have Ferraris <laughs> and everything uh, to spread these dangerous lies. I've been told that by many vegans. Wow. <laughs> Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Bless if they that. only knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, the mind boggles. But it was it was in that moment that I thought I need to know the answers to these questions. I need to be able to, so, you know, you said earlier on, you know, you eating meat is highly nutrient dense. You know, A gets you to C, but you don't understand the B sometimes. We don't always understand the science, but we don't have to because, you know, we know, we know it works through experience, but I wanted to fill the gap. I wanted to be able to tell people why red meat isn't bad for you, why it, it's highly nutrient dense, why I felt the way I did, why ketones were a superior energy source, why I lost all this weight, why it is sustainable, why it's our natural metabolic state, how that works, um, how, you know, all of these arthritic pains and, and things go away, how your body heals and repairs, how fat is essential for life, all of these things, you know, and it's the the, the five main things that we're told to do you know, as far as healthy eating goes, isn't it? It's, you know, consume your whole grains, uh, eat your, your vegetable oils, cook in your vegetable oils, avoid saturated fats, avoid uh, red meat uh, and lower your sodium. You know, those are the five main things, I think. And, they, and there are others, but, you know, you, you speak to anyone in the street to name five things. I'm sure that those five would, would, would come up more often than not. But those, all of those things are essential for life. So I wanted to, not just to be able to say, 
you know, this works because of this. I wanted to be able to tell them why and go into, I, I, basically, we need to be in a position where if your doctor, <clears throat> if, if you're giving a public speaking event and a doctor was to say, saturated fat increases cholesterol and cholesterol is bad for you, you need to be in a position where you can prove them wrong. You know, so it, one one t topic at a time I, I ticked off and I wanted, and I spent, and I'm, I'm useless when it comes to remembering stuff. Genuinely, I'm my, I'm a tit. Um, it took me an awful long time. I'd have to study one topic for like two weeks and just you know really go into it again and again and again. And I still need to go back. So I've got um, it's not with me now. I've got a notebook, and anytime I learn something new, I write it in the book. So I write it on my scrap paper first. So I've I've got a book here. So I'll I'll go through some bits and I'll I'll write I'll take notes, um, and then. I'll go through it again another day and I'll take more notes going through the same thing. And then when I think that I've nailed it, I'll write it in a book from memory and then I'll double check it against what I've studied. Um, and then this book is like my little Bible and I'll go back and I'll read that book then, like, you know, whenever I can, just to, to just to smarten up, sharp, sharpen up on, on some bits. But I, I've probably forgotten more than I can remember <laughs> in regards to you know, the science and stuff. But but unfortunately, that's the position that we need to be in. We need to be able to out-talk, out-science a doctor and other nutrition experts that are going to tell you that um, that what we are doing is detrimental. Um, and, and I enjoy it. I like to know. And I wish, I wish I had the intelligence and the time to go deeper again because there's there's always layers. You know, we we, we mentioned some of these pathways and, uh, and and things within the body. You know, I'd like to I'd like love to understand those at a deeper level. But then you know, and the problem there is that you would need to be when you look at what you're studying. It's not just nutrition. It then becomes you know uh, chemistry and biology. Um, you know, and you, you need to almost become a doctor and, you know, have a degree in all of these other sorts of uh, areas. And, you know, one person I don't think has got the time, to, you know, to do that. But you've, you've, you, you need to have a good understanding on most of these areas and be able to. And I'd like to think that I could probably hold a conversation with a professional in every, any one of those fields um, and... I, I dare say to the point that going off tangent here now, but last year, uh, Amanda had uh, an ovarian cyst and uh, for no other, for, for no reason, it's just one of these things that, but some of the reasons that were mentioned were cancer. So we were speaking to the cancer specialist who was going to uh, evaluate how to operate and, and take out this, um, uh, this, this ovarian cyst, which had grown to the size of a rugby ball. Um, so quite scary. And he said, looking at all these figures, there's a high chance that it's cancerous. And I said, it's not. And he said, what do you mean? And I explained about what fuels cancer. And I said, you know, Amanda does not consume any of those compounds. There's no way that this is being fed in that sort of state. There's no way that it's cancerous. Um, and he said, oh, but I've run my formulation, blah, 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 blah. 
and there's a there's a very high chance that it is. And he wouldn't have. Then this is the cancer specialist, and he didn't know uh, about glucose uh, and glutamine fooling, you know, cancer cells and oxidative stress and 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 you know electrophilic stress through through vegetable seed oils and all these sorts of pathways, um, which didn't fill me with much confidence, but. Long story short, she had to have a massive operation which involved being cut from top to bottom and having this this rugby ball taken out basically. So she was it was a ma- it was major surgery. Um but the reason you know that I was so uh so passionate about arguing the cancer thing was that it if they knew that it wasn't cancerous, it could have been taken out through keyhole so- surgery. So she could have had a, a small incision. Uh, this uh, cyst could have been drained and pulled through a small hole, but because they said that it was a high chance of cancer, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. Um, it was still our choice, but then you know, do I want to be the guy that tells her to do it, and then this thing bursts and then you know, riddled with cancer and also, it's I, I let the surgeon make the decision, you know, along with Amanda, and and that's what they opted for. Um, when this thing was removed, it was tested non-cancerous and but you know and, and, but this this is exactly what you're up against you know you, you're talking to professionals who don't understand things within their own industry at least you know they're, they're only scraping it's, the surface it's amazing when um I, I apologies if anyone listening has heard part of this story before at least but it, it was quite amusing really with the well sad and amusing but my mum found this huge wealth. She'd probably known about it for ages. She had this huge lump in her breast. I was looking after her for <clears throat> many years. She was like 93 at the time. And and this great big lump, like about sort of six, eight centimetres, you know, and the skin was starting to go weird. And it was obviously breast cancer. And so I took her along to the oncologist dude. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be it. We'll do a biopsy. I didn't realise that was probably a bad idea at the time. But they did one. Yes, it is cancerous. And anyway, so I said, right, here's a, excuse me, here's a list of things that we're going to try, you know, carnivore diet, we're going to try. I went for everything, like the proper long trousers, Rick Simpson oil, you know, that got her really stoned and she couldn't take it in the end. Um, The, all the mushrooms, the chaga, all of that kind of thing. But I I don't think that did much good. What really did the good was a um, carnivore diet plus an iodine protocol. But anyway, he thought I was nuts, this dude. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've presented you with all of this. Have you have you got no idea to, about diet for cancer? Oh, yes, he said proudly. Yes, what you should always do is to swap milk out for soy milk. And I just burst out laughing. And I said, you've just told me that that's a hormonally driven cancer. And you're, you're trying to feed her one of the biggest hormone disruptors on the planet. And I said, look at up and down the corridors in this oncology ward. They're full of vending machines, full of chocolate and stuff and and sweets. And he said, I've never thought about that before. And he's he's an oncologist. But the best bit was, you know, it it got worse and worse over a few months. And um, then I gave it this iodine protocol for three months. And I I just had an intuition to do it. I know how it works now, but I I, I thought, well, if it works for fibrocystic breast syndrome, even painting it on, sometimes these things disappear. It's got to be worth a try. Harmless, I'll give her some. I got lucky. I didn't give her that much, you know, compared to the protocols that you I, I would have recommended now for breast cancer. 
But after the, the protocol finished, I tapered her back down again just to a drop a day for you know maintenance. And she said to me, I'd given up. I said to the oncologist, can you take it off on a local if it ulcerates through the skin? Because that's going to be really unpleasant for her. And she won't, you know, 93, you best not give people a general anesthetic. Oh, we can do that for you. Yeah. Anyway, one day she said to me, uh, it's going away. And I thought, really? Had a look. And it was. It was shrinking right back really fast. And we had an appointment coming up with the with the oncologist and um, went in there. And um, I said, uh, I, well, I didn't say anything. I thought I'll just let him examine her because he's probably going to think, all right, it's ulcerated. They want the breast off, you know. So anyway, I remember him examining her and he just kind of stopped like that. And he turned around to me and said, how did you do that? I said, I told you how I was going to do it. I gave you a whole list of it. You took a photo of it on your phone. And weirdly, the oncology nurse said, when he was out of the room, said, can I have those? So she was really interested. If they, if what they were doing was working, she wouldn't have been interested in that, right? And and anyway, I, he said, how the hell did you do that? I said, well, I, t I told you how I was going to do it. I said, is that the first natural cancer reversal you've seen? And you're an oncologist. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I've seen quite a few and I'm a drummer. <laughs> And I love that because they, they just don't know. Anyway, yeah. sorry about that waffle. But yeah, it's it, it it's very difficult when you're when you're confronted, particularly in the cancer industry, because that's their big cash cow, isn't it? Yeah. And they don't like it when when people have revert. I've got a video of that on my YouTube channel taken from a talk that I gave to docs about the carnivore diet 2017, something like that. And it's entitled, you know, breast cancer reversal shocking pick warning carnivore diet i thought that's going to be a real uh clickbait you know that'll work i think to this day it's got like two thousand three thousand views the one that was just called myths about meat that was just going on about boring stuff about carnivore that everybody knows back then got like three hundred thousand views you said right. the algorithms don't like it do they they yeah, don't like not. the cancer reversals and stuff anyway shut up for a bit now you carry on <laughs> and you're you're right they don't i you've probably seen my youtube channel is incredibly small um in one form or another i've been pushing this for the last 10 11 years um my social media platform is small my youtube channel is small i don't see the growth that others do um and i'll i'll mention in fact i will mention this it uh, eddie abu has blown up in 23, he had 12,000 followers on Instagram in January 23. Uh, and by the end of the year, he had over a million. Um, now, I went to see Eddie. I went to see one of his coaches. Um, what was his name? Something, Charlie Francis, for pausing for a competition. And Eddie ripped the piss out of me because I was keto and I was there, you know, this big guy, like, and then there's me, I'm only small. You know, I looked at awesome, but I was still a fraction of his size. And there's me telling him that you don't need carbs. He's, yes, you do. You know, so we were, he was ripping the piss out of me and my keto lifestyle. And I was telling him, you know, how good it was. And um, and, I, and I'm pushing this all the time now on, on social media. Now he's popped up from nowhere, says a few things, and his, his, his social media has exploded. And it pisses me off because it's like I've been pushing this. for so. It's great that he's got the traction. But what pissed me off even more is I've reached out to Eddie several times now and, you know, to, to do something like we are doing because we're UK-based. He's reaching out to everyone all over the world. And it's like, we, we are here in the UK. 
Now, I remember telling you about this all of this time ago. Um, you know, let's do let's do a podcast. Hasn't even replied. Um, you know, maybe he hasn't seen it, whatever, you know, but it um it's you know, that part's not important. It's more important that my my following or my uh, scope of visibility is massively hindered. And I put it down to the content that I put out early on in regards to um, specific C words and, uh, you know, other things that were going on. Um, I've, I've taken them down this week. I've taken those videos down because I do believe that they're hindering me massively. So we'll see how my YouTube channel progresses now, but it's... Um... Once you've done it, once you've done it and, and made a couple of mistakes, <clears throat> I think you get... Well, they're not mistakes, are they? But as far as they're concerned, <clears throat> you get you get shadow banned forever. Beginning of 2020, I think I had 10,000 subscribers. And we started putting out this stuff that I was talking about with the Human Unleashed. I started putting it on my channel because I had the biggest channel at the time of the four of us. And they started to pick up on it and start to take videos down, give me strikes, lots of medical misinformation in there, of course. But we were really speaking out about the whole con back in 2020, right from the beginning, like March, April, saw through it straight away. And that's that's crippled us, even though I know people were seeing it. We were getting recognized in the street. I mean, John Gusty, a friend of ours who was on that, he was getting recognized in America from this channel here and, and all of that. And yet now still 13,000 subscribers and people get unsubscribed and all kinds of things. It gets pulled down. I had Ken Berry on the podcast um, a while ago, and I won't tell you what he said in between because, you know, he doesn't want to make that public because he wants to keep his channel. But good on him because he's got he was saying, well done for saying what you're saying. But I've got two and a half million subscribers or whatever, and I'm getting to the docs and I'm getting to the dietitians, And so I don't want to do that. But carry on saying what you're saying, you know, if that's what you want to do. Anthony, too, you know, his channel's blown up. Anthony Chafee, and great, you know. I mean, he's 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 lovely, isn't he? And a uh, lovely guy. Deserves it. But, yeah, if you put anything dodgy in, I think they mark you for life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a shame. It is a shame. But, uh, unfortunately, that's the state that we're in, isn't it? It's um, It seems to be, you know, financially driven. Um, but, and again, I don't think it's the doctors. It's, it's coming from you know, establishment, isn't it? But um, that's what we're up against. And that's what led me down the path of of researching and studying. And, and I love it. I wish I had more time to do so, but it's it it's allowed me to go down a rabbit hole of understanding health and nutrition beyond anything that I could have ever comprehended previously. And to the point in which I think that if you were to tell the average person the truth, they would look at you as if you were batshit crazy. And for this reason, I think that you know, part of what I do is that I work with anyone who wants to make an improvement to their health and well-being. You know, I'm I'm carnivore. Um, you know, my metabolic state is ketogenic. Uh, as you know, I've got a you know a keto business. I do coaching and supplements and and all of these other sorts of foods and things to help people along their journey. But if someone were to come to me with no interest of going low carb, and they were suffering with issues, I would still work with them. And I do. And my advice would be away from the carbohydrate side of things, but looking at the foods that are causing the issues, it just so happens that they're mostly the same things, you know? Um, 
So it would be a case of, let's go for the biggest hitters. We'll take the seed oils out. And I'd explain about the seed oils. Um, and we can get into this if you want in a bit more detail. And then, you know, let's look at the grains and how detrimental they are. Let's make these incremental changes. And as people start to see benefits, then they gravitate a little bit deeper. And then they become, you know, they do focus on low carb. And then the next step naturally then is, is dropping carbs further. Now you're in the, the realms of being ketogenic. And so it's, it's the softly, softly approach. I think if you were to tell the average person on the high street that spinach was bad for you, you know, broccoli is, is detrimental to your health, um, you've lost them before you started. So speaking in the correct manner to the right audience is important. Um, but it's tough. It's difficult. So on one hand, you know, I've gone down this, this rabbit hole and, you know, you have all this information. And I want to tell everybody, you know, this this is what you need to be doing. But at the same time, I'm also conscious that if I do that, I sound absolutely mental and people are just going to switch off straight away. So it's finding that that medium, that medium ground, isn't it? It's finding that. Um... It is. I, f I find that most of the people who come to me are autoimmune cases. So I just tell them, you know, but if somebody hasn't got that motivation, as you said, it's it's more difficult to to persuade them of it. But if you just spend the whole time really, really explaining why that's going to heal the gut, what causes autoimmunity and whatever. But Richard, I want to ask you and get back to your story because it's amazing, your transformation. I mean, people who are watching this, you know, can see that pit behind. You can see a bit of Richard there, you know, that's uh, covered up in a lot of artwork. But I mean, look, look at look at where he got to. And that's, that's some uh, big chumper who can't get up the stairs. <laughs> a while ago you know that fantastic amazing how how did you get to that state of being ripped when you were in that in that sort of stage and training for bodybuilding competitions what did you feel healthy at that kind of low body fat and how did you get what what amazes me is that you were that much overweight no loose skin nothing it looks great how'd you do that constant yeah. constant cold thermogenesis do you wear a freezing bodysuit all day long or what happened? How did you do that? Because yeah, yeah, so look, it you know, I I I had no intention of doing that. I had lost the weight and I was looking lean. I had saggy skin stretch marks, but you know, there was I was lumping and bumping in places that I didn't have lumps and bumps before, but I looked skinny with it. You know, so I I looked, as I said earlier, I looked like a head, you know, you, you see some heroin addicts sometimes and they have got abs because they saw. And that's how that's how I looked, but I felt healthy. So, on one hand, I'd lost this weight. On the other, you know, I looked sick to some people. So I thought, well, you know, and I had energy in abundance. So I started training again. I started weight training. I'd always, I'd always weight trained, you know, throughout my life, on and off. You know, it, it's one of these things we do as as men, isn't it? We go through spells where we hit the gym for six months and throw it in, and so I, I'd always trained. Um, but now I went back to it and. I started to notice that I was becoming leaner, but I was building muscle, which goes against everything that we've been told. We're told that it's impossible. So that led me down another rabbit hole. And well, how is this possible when everybody says it's not? So I started gaining muscle and it, it this takes a long time. You don't just pack. When people say I've gained 5K of lean mass in a month, it's rubbish, it's impossible. Uh, it At top end, we can build around 0.8 pounds of lean mass per month. So, you know, top end, if you're building eight to 10 pounds of quality lean muscle in a year, you're doing really well. Um, 
you know, there are other levers you can pull with anabolics and all this sorts of stuff, but it's, you know, we don't want to go down that route, um, you know, because we're in this for, for health and well-being. And I started to notice that I was packing on muscle. I was healing and repairing really well. And, you know, I, I was starting to look, people were starting to notice that I looked good in T-shirts and then in vests. Um, so I was training for about a year. And then, you know, still coaching, still explaining to people, still teaching people. And then someone suggested that I compete as an amateur in, in you know, like an amateur men's physique, bodybuilding thing. So I started, look, you know, this is someone who suffers with severe anxiety. They couldn't leave the house. Um, so it scared the shit out of me. But I felt a lot better now than I had previously. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to give myself 12 months to do so. Um, I booked myself in for an amateur bodybuilding competition uh, in Bridgend. And um, uh, I started to train. I gave myself 12 months to train for that. And I started persevering, training. I was training uh, twice a day, hours every day, and doing all the things that I was told not to do. Now, now I know that that wasn't the best way to do things, but I was trying to do it intuitively. Um, everybody told me, not to compete in that competition because they knew how severely I suffered with this anxiety and depression. Um, they they thought that I was going to... Close friends said to me, don't do it. You're going to make a fool of yourself. But because I had told everybody, you know, I'm not the type of person to, to let that slip or, or prove people wrong because everybody told me I wasn't going to do it. So I did. I went to this competition and I remember the day of the competition that I was, I was last in the lineup walking on stage and uh, and I came to the curtain and everybody else walked out and I stopped dead. I stopped dead before the curtain and everybody walked out. Um, I couldn't go on. And my friend who was in the audience, he knew, you know, what was going on. And he he, he shouted for me. You know, he, I heard him call my name. Uh, and I walked on stage and, you know, I, I shit you not, I, I forgot how to walk. My legs went to jelly and I... Really, st I couldn't remember how to put one foot in front of the uh, of the other. Genuine, I was just, you know, you you watch the video back, and I just I look like I've got a walking disability or something like you know, but my legs went to jelly. Anyway, super long story short, in regards to that, um, I competed, and my goal, my initial goal, was not to look out of uh, out of place on on stage. Um, I wanted to look like I belonged there, and. My second goal was not to come last. So two different goals. I came second in this competition. Landed. Uh, told everybody, put post, posted it everywhere. I was, ex you know, ec ecstatic. I had a lot of hate in messages, you know, saying, you know, oh, shit, I look, and you're not a bodybuilder. And the haters come out. Anyway, um, I decided to persevere. So I went back to the same competition. I trained for another year for this comp, another, you know, another amateur comp. And I wanted to do better again. But the standard had become better. The standard had increased. So the, the people who were there now, you know, who were not even placing would have won the competition the year before. Um and I entered a couple of comps within this couple of different uh, categories, and I was unplaced. I didn't win, but I was. I came second and third in 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 these comps, and then I went trained again. And every time going to these comps, I was the outcast. I was the weirdo that didn't eat carbs. You know, I they were all in their little you know little groups, and I was in in the corner by myself, 
feeling sorry for myself and stuff, I'd I'd have my hoodie on so nobody could see how I looked. Because when you cut for comp, you're, you're small, you're not big, you've you you leaned right down, but it's it's an illusion. Um, you know, it's body composition. Um, so I'd I'd get a pump on before you know lift lift some weights and do some crunches and do do all this get a bit of a pump before taking my uh, my hoodie off and I remember there's there's this big mirror in this um back hall before before the stage like you know half an hour before going on and everyone's at their tops off all day strutting around and feeling good about themselves and they look awesome but they're all looking at me as if like oh I've got keto pro on my back and all this sort of stuff and I got got a pump on and I took my hoodie off. And I took it off. And as you do that, you tense naturally. And I looked in the mirror and I could see in the mirror, everybody was doing this. You know, they, they did a, t- a second glance because I was ripped and shredded and my and my, <laughs> my my proportions were incredible. Um, and I, I knew then that I was starting to turn heads. Um, and again, I, I competed that year and I didn't win, but I, I wasn't unplaced. I've never been unplaced ever. It wasn't until a big competition I went for, the Middlesbrough Championship, uh, I went to compete in. Um, I competed there, and I won the Middlesbrough Championship. Um, after the show, everybody has pizza and cakes, and they put these on, so it's free. Uh, and I'm a sugar addict, so seeing all this stuff for free is like, oh, I, re- I wanted it. But the... The British Championship, which I had just qualified for by winning the Middlesbrough Championship, was a week later. It was the following Sunday. I knew that if I had consumed any of that crap, that I wouldn't be able to pull it back. I was the only athlete there that didn't eat any pizza or cake or anything. I was the only athlete that didn't indulge. A week later, I went on to win the British Championship. um, And I was awarded pro status. And I never lost after and I went on well to be done, done, mate. That's yeah. fantastic. That is just so fucking inspiring. Anyone who's listening, there's how much it takes to get there after after what you where you started. Amazing. Well done. Appreciate that. But look, it, it didn't take it didn't happen overnight. You know, this took years and years of training. Um, and my skin, I didn't even notice that I didn't have stretch marks anymore. It was only when someone said to me, Well, where's your saggy skin gone? And then coming back to the things that you were saying about, you know, uh, you know, cold thermogenesis and, and uh, fasting and autophagy and and all of these things that I was that I was doing without thinking, and that's what I put it down to is is all of these things that you know, fasting, autophagy is a, is a fantastic tool. It recycles amyloid plaques and takes out the old sick dying cells and recycles them into new, younger, stronger, fitter, faster ones. But it will use. The, the tissue, the proteins within stretch marks uh, and within saggy skin, um, that combined with everything else over time. And it took, it did take a long time, but it did go. And now, you know, I've still got a little bit under the arm, but you wouldn't even notice if I showed you, whereas they were, they were awful before, like, you know, down, down the bicep, it was, it was as if I'd been cut open, the, uh, you know, that's how bad the stretch marks were, but I don't, I didn't suffer with them at all anymore. Um, and and that yeah that's that's where I ended up. I went on to become uh, a professional European champion, um, and now I've retired. <laughs> retired. I've come away from from the bodybuilding uh, in pursuit of um, running and cycling, 
um, just to try to prove it in a, in another arena. I was going to go into powerlifting because um, what I noticed is that I was incredibly strong pound for pound. And I looked at the the uh, the UK rankings through all the federations of tested and non-tested. So this is everybody that competes in powerlifting. And with the lifts that I could do there and then, uh, I would have been top 10 in the UK. And I genuinely think that I could have become top three, if not British champion in, in powerlifting, if I'd gone down, down that route. But um, I tore my pec when I came out of bodybuilding, and that led me down into the running and cycling. So... Um, that's where I, yeah, that's where I am now. Fantastic. Just such a good story. I was, I was dying to hear the ins and outs of that. Thank you so much. Um, now, another thing you're really knowledgeable about is supplements. Now, I, I'm, I'm not particularly into them. I think most people don't need them. And the thing is, I've heard you say that as well, which I love about you, because a lot of people are just constantly trying to push their supplements. But I have a, a, a pretty good idea that you know exactly what supplements somebody might need and for how long to take them. And that they, they shouldn't be taking like 20 supplements a day for the rest of their life, right? How did you get all that knowledge together? And how did the beginning of your Keto Pro business start? So I began doing all of these things for me, as selfish as that sounds. I want, I'm in pursuit of optimal health. I want to be the healthiest and fittest that I can be. I want to live as long as I can live. Now, in my mid-20s, I was so unwell that I genuinely didn't think I was going to see my 30th birthday. And in fact, um, they thought I had a brain tumor at some point, uh, you know, related to the migraines. Uh, I was, all of my family are riddled with all sorts of illness and diseases. And I was the worst. You know, I was the one that was, that was the worst. So I genuinely didn't think I was going to see my 30th birthday. Now, if I don't break 100, I'm going to be disappointed you know, um, but I began looking at things that I could benefit from. So, you know, MCT was the first thing that popped up. You know, people talk about MCT oil. So I started investigating MCT oil um, and th the different fats from, from coconut oil and how these are these are created and how they may benefit the body. Uh, in particular, C8 or caprylic acid kept coming up time and time again as being the creme de la creme. There were very few companies in the UK that were, you know, stocking, selling and producing this. So I used to, I used to import it from America. Um, and then, you know, I would be using it and I noticed the benefit. And then the the people, the clients that I was working with for free would ask me if, if I could buy some for them. So I would just buy it and sell it to them at the price that I paid for it. And in there, the business was born, you know, the keto pro business, as far as the supplements go, because I then started looking into other things. I began to realize the importance of electrolytes. And I know I was a big, I used to take creatine, monohydrate. Uh, I was into my protein powders and all this. So I began looking deeper into the benefits and and the the, op, the other side, you know, do you actually need these things? Do they actually confer a benefit? Is it a market employee? Um, trying, to find, trying to find the woods through the trees. What was actually conferring a benefit and what was um, just put on the market for, you know, financial gain? Um, they're all out there for, for financial gain and they at the end of the day. But MCT, I noticed a big uplift. Uh, mental clarity, I noticed that my athletic performance increased. Um, every aspect of my life seemed to improve. Uh, concentration, all sorts. So I began looking into producing my own. Uh, and that was the first product that we bought to the market. And my, my C8 is, by certification, the world's highest purity. 
So there's no one, no one else's on the planet is higher than mine. And mine's one of the cheapest. Um, and that's not a sales pitch. If you're into MCT, it's there. You know, again, supplements, you don't you don't have to take them. We didn't evolve on on any supplements. Um, I mean, you you could argue that C8 is is all of the products that I make are classed as foods as as a keto pro brand. You know, even the electrolytes, which are minerals, um, they're all classed as foods, so they're non-vatable, they're all they're all sort of food, uh, food products. But I wanted to increase my health and well-being as much as I could. And then, you know, I understood that this C8 was breaking breaking down into beta-hydroxybutyrate. And then, you know, I found there were companies that were producing beta-hydroxybutyrate in the form of exogenous ketones. And there was a lot of mis you know, a lot of information out there. Some was pro and some was against. So I bought some from, from America and I tested them. Um, and I'd done a number of tests. I, I tested them on my ketone levels. Um, I kept diaries daily about, you know, my mental clarity. I give myself up to two tests before and after. And I, this went on for months. Um, and they conferred a huge benefit to me. So I wanted, I wanted to be a producer of this stuff because what I found was that I didn't agree with the formulation and ratio that these, these other companies were producing in. So I bought in bulk in, in IBC containers powders, different powders, different BHBs from um, which are bound to different minerals. And I, for a year, I began experimenting on different ratios and testing them on myself. Um, and then I came up with a formula that seemed to be better than all of the others and better than anything else on the market. Um, and so, that it, you know, you're breaking bad when they walk into the buddy caravan and there's stuff and they got the suits and if if I was raided at, at one point because I would I had these containers in my kitchen, in in these blue containers filtered down from the IBCs, I had masks and I had weighing scales and there's me putting this powder in you know into a blender and measuring on a, the room was full of this powder and it it looked it looked like a meth lab or you know it 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 was it was comical. Um, Did you have a load of naked women with muzzles on? No, unfortunately, I didn't. It's uh, yeah, I, I missed that one. It uh, <laughs> one for the next for, for next time. It was just me in my apron, you know, making this blending up these powders, um, and I was using them myself. And then uh, I managed to find a company that would manufacture it for me. Um, and that's what I did. So I started producing the BHB, which I was using and, you know, manufactured on a larger scale. Uh, the other guys that I was working with started using it and they were conferring a benefit. And what I found is that is there are a lot of people who don't want to live this lifestyle. I love the lifestyle. It, it confers a huge benefit for me. Uh, now, to put this into perspective, a gentleman came to see me uh, going back last year, and he he asked me for a supplement that would help with his diabetes. His uh, his blood glucose hadn't been below twenty seven for for years and years and years. Um, the lowest that it'd been in recent, you know, it, within the last three years, I think it was like seventeen or something. Um, he said, "I'm not going to change." I'm too long in the tooth. I'm not going to change my diet. I don't care. He said, if you've got a supplement that you can give me, I'll take it. Um, you know, if you're just going to give me advice, I'm not interested. I, and I don't do the hard sales pitch. So I always give advice. The biggest bang for your buck is going to come from your diet. Anyone who comes to see me gets a shopping list of the foods to go and buy. And, you know, shoot me, they do contain vegetables. And it comes back to this whole thing, which you can't just tell people to just go and eat a piece of steak because they're not going to listen. So you... 
I, you know, I do put vegetables on there, but I always tell them to preference the animal proteins, but it's devoid of grains. And I've highlighted the the nuts that contain lectins and, uh, and the foods that are high in oxalates. So it, it's, it's a shopping list to help people. Anyway, that's always my first protocol. This guy wasn't interested. So through gritted teeth, I sold him the BHB product. Two weeks later, he came back in and he said that his, uh, his, his, his glucose levels now were below seven. I think they were on six or something. Now, bearing in mind, they haven't been below 27 for a long time. The lowest they had been in recent years was 17. Uh, he was now technically in a non-diabetic range, purely through taking exogenous ketones, which had increased insulin sensitivity and allowed him basically on paper to reverse diabetes. Off the back of that, he became ketogenic through living the lifestyle. He now seen the benefit of the product. So people will say, oh, you know, th these products don't work. The people trying to sell them are just trying to make money, blah, blah. Yes, I need to make money. I've got a business to run. If I can't make money, I can't, I can't help people. I can't do this for free. And for full transparency, I pay myself £800 a month. I barely have enough to pay my bills. Um, I don't buy clothes. I don't go anywhere. I'm absolutely broke on my butt because I don't take money out of the business because the business doesn't make a great deal of cash because it all goes back into product development and, and free courses and, and education pieces and, and helping people for free. And this is what we do with like Diabetes UK and the PHC and the Noakes Foundation. All of this type, all this stuff is is free. Um, so I'm not this. I'm not in this for for monetary gains. I need I need to pay my bills, but I you know I'm not doing this because it's going to make me a millionaire. Um, and if people could even. If they, if they knew the tr truth of the state of my books, they would laugh on the other side of their face. Why do you do all this crap just you know for that little bit? But the the products have the, same, have the same thing that you know it's, it's sometimes it's really scary and it, always something comes along just about to pull us out of it. You know, just as you're just about to go to the end of the overdraft and it pulls it out, doesn't it? And it's, yeah, you get it time and time again. You know, get some consults in or get some money from the big fat challenge, get some signups or you know. I mean, we've been holding our breath about this 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 event as well. And just a couple of days ago, we got to the break-even point. It's like, oh, thank God for that. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. And then we think, I mean, Ben and I were talking and we said, hey, you know, we, we thought that if we filled it up, it like they got a maximum of 200, we'd have made some money. But I said, now, yeah, okay, we might make a couple hundred quid, probably not much more than that. But isn't it going to be a great weekend? Do you know what I mean? It's it, and that's why we do it, isn't it? Exactly. That's why we do and it? It is exactly that. It's um, you know, people don't see people on the outside don't see any of this. You know, th this is a passion for us. And you hit the hit. You you've hit the nail on the head. You you can live this lifestyle and thrive without any supplementation whatsoever. Um, and you know the other things that we produce and stock. We, we stock a lot of third-party products, you know, low, low carb products, low carb breads and wraps and things for people who don't want to live an extreme lifestyle. The first protocol for me is always education. Look, you don't need any of these things. Just go away and do this. If you can't do that, or you're looking for, you know, um, a Segway product, then here it is. You know, you need to decide on, on do you want to start low carb keto? Do you, this is where I want you to be. But these are there for, for that transition period. And, and that's what we see generally. People start low carb and they transition into becoming carnivore eventually. Um, and that's brilliant, you know, but 
just being ketogenic or even low carb is going to confer a huge benefit to a standard lifestyle. Understanding how, how bad grains are and understanding how detrimental vegetable oils are to your health. Removing those are going to confer a huge benefit. And that's what it's all about is education. Um, but yeah, we, massive rate. The, the biggest product that, that we do that confers the biggest benefit is the, the electrolytes, in my opinion. That's what I drink them every day. You don't need electrolytes. You know, salt and potassium are very important. Um, we don't get the, the, the electrolytes uh, from the foods that we used to. Um, the meat doesn't contain the, the minerals that he once did. Um, you know, we don't crush the bones up and eat the marrow and, and, and the you know stringy bits from the meat and, and the cartilage on the bones. We just don't do it as a society anymore. We, we tend to gravitate for leaner cuts. The soil that the, the grass is grown in is devoid of nutrients because it's been treated with glyphosate, which has depleted the, the microbes in the soil. And it's it's a vicious circle. We don't, you know, we, we used to cut meat up and put it on rocks, which, you know, was covered in salts and we used to drink puddle water and all this. We don't do any of those things anymore. So when people say, well, we didn't used to take supplements before, well, we, you know, you don't eat bones anymore. When was the last time you crushed a bone up and and you know mashed it until it was into in 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 a in a, into a paste and then ate it you know or or sucked the marrow out of the bone or, or ate at that cartilage on on your chicken bones? People don't do it, you know. I do, <laughs> but you you can boil your bones. Go and boil your bones. You know those are electrolytes. But then it you know it'll take two days to boil, you know beef and. Uh, about 24 hours to do chicken bones. If you can do that, that's fantastic. You know, go and do that. Those are fantastic. Uh, you reminded me actually. We've got there's there's a a batch needs fishing out. We do it in the garage, you know, so it doesn't stink the house out. We just have a slow cooker with the bones sort of yeah. bubbling away there for three days, which is some salt and some water, and it's just great for everything, isn't it? You can add that to anything, and it makes yeah. it so much nicer and so many nutrients in it. But you know, I, I, I love your attitude to supplements and it's something, you know, I, I don't really get into, but, you know, the electrolyte thing is really important. I mean, I, I know because I didn't figure that out when I first went keto before I went carnivore and I ended up in hospital with, you know, such bad palpitations that I really thought I was going to die. It's the only time the missus has been worried about me, actually, as she's a nurse. And she said, no, you know, yeah, let's go in. There's something very weird here. It was like skipping every third beat and just not quite starting again. And it was really alarming. And I just got such bad in electrolyte imbalance. That's all it was. Yeah. Just taking salt shots in water just sorted it out. You know, when I finally figured it out, thanks to my son having understood it. And I didn't, my eldest son, you know, <laughs> said, you just salt your food. It's not enough. Yeah, but I have loads of salt in my food. It's not enough. You know, he'd come yeah. back from climbing and 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 he, he every time he got cramped up, he'd have a, a salt shot, whatever, and get rid of the cramps, you know. And he'd figured it. I hadn't. But it's just amazing now, isn't it? When you see people with these cramps and palpitations, just get the electrolytes balanced and they're sorted. It's one of the one of those things that sends people back, isn't it? When they don't know enough, those adaptation things. And it's the biggest reason for the keto flu. So when people begin a ketogenic or carnival journey, they experience what's known as the keto flu. They feel absolutely awful. And this Going back to what we said earlier on in the conversation is what I was suffering from that night that I went to bed thinking I was going to die, you know. Um, it's sodium is so essential that it when we begin a low-carb ketogenic journey, um, insulin drops. And insulin is what pulls sodium back into the blood from four points in the nephrons in the kidneys. Uh, so essential hypertension or um 
high blood pressure is an insulin-dependent state. It's caused by insulin resistance. So if, if you suffer with essential hypertension, it's because you're insulin resistant. The second you reverse that, your high blood pressure will go away. And when we begin a ketogenic journey, this is what happens. Insulin begins to drop almost overnight um, and it reverses incredibly quickly. Insulin drops. And as it drops, it signals the kidneys now to release the sodium from the, the four points in the nephrons in the kidneys. Um, or releases it from the body, so it's no longer pulling in from the, from, from the nephrons. And sodium is essential. When sodium's not in the body, it leads to all sorts of issues, uh, fatigue, feeling nauseous, um, feeling sick, headaches, all of these sorts of things, palpitations. Um, we need sodium, but that is the one thing that we're told in society to avoid because we're told that it's detrimental to our health. Now, one of the studies that I reference covers over 100,000 participants, over 17 countries, and it looks at sodium excretion. So how much sodium has been excreted from the body? So we can assume that what's been excreted is at least what we've consumed. And a big study, 100,000 people, 17 countries, and it shows a massive increase in all-cause mortality when we consume less than 1.5 milligrams, which is the recommended uh, daily allowance. All-cause mortality or death increases massively with the sweet spot being somewhere between four to 6,000, which again is what is excreted. So th th those groups of people that consume that much um, died less. <laughs> you can only die once, but if that makes any sense, less people died. Um, but for me, I consume probably closer to 10,000 milligrams. So sodium is essential for life. We cannot live without it. Do not fear sodium. If you do suffer with essential hypertension, it's an, it's an insulin-dependent state. It's caused by insulin resistance. Rectify that insulin resistance uh, and your essential hypertension will go away. And almost every other, every other illness that we look at, you know, coming back to what we said earlier, this inflammation insulin resistance is the is the cause, it's the root cause of almost every illness and disease that we know of, you know, within the human body. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Richard, I'm, um, yeah, I just... We could go on forever on this stuff because Richard knows everything pretty much <laughs> in the world. Richard knows <laughs> about all this sort of nutrition and biochemistry and stuff. It's fascinating. And I, I you know, just I, from now on, just here, just just let people know, you know, where they can find you and stuff, because I'd like to say we do this GB carnivores thing at the moment. It's every Tuesday at seven o'clock and Richard's there. I'm, I'm there and. Ben's there, Ben Hunt, Jonathan's there, Jonathan Griffiths, and Coach Stephen, of course. And occasionally we get other people in. But please come along and check it out. You know, it's it's probably on all our channels, isn't it? So um, come along and check it out. If you've got a question, honestly, about this stuff, come come and ask it. And I, I just sit back there in my red light and I think, Richard will have this. He'll <laughs> nail it. You know, and I sit there learning so much. You know, somebody comes up with some autoimmunity thing and I'll, I'll, I'll chime in or whatever. Or, you know, bung in a bit of toilet humour or some nonsense like that. But, yeah, Richard, his answers are amazing, really. And, you know, if you want incredible replies to to questions like that, you know, there's other people out there doing it. There's Ken Berry doing it. There's 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 um, there's Anthony doing it. But, you know, these guys, Ken, Ken and Anthony were on something the other day and they did a Q&A and these American rock stars and, and they were having to ignore anything, any super chat that was less than a hundred dollars for two and a half hours. And so like, Hey guys, we've got this GB carnivores thing and you'll get, 
you'll get that same wisdom, that same knowledge. And you can always jump in with a question and you don't need a hundred dollars um, super chat. Although, hey, fire them over. Because as you as you can hear now, we are not driving Ferraris and financed by the by the meat industry. But you know what what are what are your kind of next plans, Richard? And 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 tell everybody where they can find you and where you're sort of aiming to from here. Because you're doing all the Ironman and stuff like that on triathlon. Yeah. So from you know an athletic perspective, this year um, I'd like to qualify for Team GB in duathlon, which would be year two of competing. So if I can do that, that'll be extraordinary. Um, again, just persevere with improving my health and well-being educate i want to get involved in more public speaking events and try to cast that net wider um but no you, you're spot on in regards to those lives you know the ken berries and anthony chafees are the rock stars of, of of our world but um i've done a lot of work with, with a lot of these people um dr chafee in particular um you know we did a rebuttal with uh to dr mccola's podcast in regards to how long term uh, ketosis and low-carb diets are bad for you um <laughs> You know, it's um, and Dr. Chafee reaches out to me quite often in regards to help with um, combating uh, things for debate. So it's, you know, we are, you know, all of us on this channel are right up there. It's just, we just don't have the following that these guys do, but the knowledge we have is equal to, you know? Um, so you can learn a lot for free. Pop the questions yeah, definitely. in. People, people don't realize how kind of incestuous it is, isn't it? You know, I've been on Anthony's show, I think, two or three times. He's been on mine and we chat quite a bit. And um, Ben's helping out, helping him out with his book at the moment. And they chat pretty much every day. And um, yeah, you know, this is all the this is all the same sort of uh, old boys network, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a fantastic place. But I mean, if, um, you know, if you wanted to record another like this, going into some of the science shortly. Mm. Um, you know, we can go into, we could really get into the weeds in regards to why carnivore is the creme de la creme. Um, and we can really science the shit out of it, which would be, <laughs> which would be fantastic. But well, I'll, just, I'll just sit there dribbling on that one and <laughs> let, let you roll with it because yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to do that. But I, I knew that was coming up. I was thinking, right, where should we go now on this? And I think, well, You've got so much to offer. I've got a consult in 20 minutes and we're not going to touch the surface. So, yeah, let's get back and have this sort of sciencey thing. But I really wanted to hear about your personal journey because I think that's amazing. That's where so many people have come from, you know, is places of horrible ill health. People sort of go, it's funny, you know, people sort of go to me, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, you're old and bald and stuff. And I go, well, listen, mate, you know, so carnivore is obviously bad for you. Go, no. What would you rather listen to? Would you rather listen to somebody who was like, you know, 200 pounds overweight and now they've 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 sort of slimmed down? Or would you rather listen to somebody who's just in their 20s and looks great, whatever they eat, whether they eat dog shit, you know? And then say, yeah, yeah, my hair fell out when I was vegan. <laughs> well, last last episode of veganism. So they're going, oh, yeah, your hair's fallen out because you've eaten a load of uh, a load of, um, you know, a load of meat. And it's funny. They're always trying to look at something. It's like Sean said once. If he dies from a, a rock to the head at 106, the vegans will still blame the meat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's so much misconceptions out there. But um, yeah, yeah, it's weird, the, the 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 sort of stuff that we have to go through. But, you know, it's great, isn't it? It's so rewarding. How many, how many messages of thanks and healing do we get all the time? It's beautiful. For what one, every vegan attack, we must get a good 100 messages. Yeah. Of Most definitely, yeah, and it's incredibly rewarding, and and we do it because we absolutely love it. So, 
where can where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, I'm keto underscore pro. Uh, my personal one on Instagram is Richard underscore Anthony underscore Smith. Um, you can find me on Facebook through the same, both same things. Keto Pro and Richard, Richard Smith are on there on Facebook. Uh, the website is theketopro.com. Nice and simple. Uh, YouTube, Keto Pro. <laughs> so it's incredibly easy to find. Just um, search Keto Pro anything and... Uh, yeah, and you should be able to find us on there. But um, yeah, if you fancy subscribing, that'll be brilliant to get my numbers up because there is a yeah, massive yeah. struggle there. But it'd be brilliant if we could uh, see a slight increase on numbers on on YouTube for sure. But we'll get yeah. There. Everybody's everybody's got a slightly different take on this, and I think it's really worth listening to everybody. You know, and fantastic stuff that you put out. So um, yeah, th those links will be underneath wherever you're listening or watching this, and. Um, Richard, thank you so much. And I really hope you make you. it to, to, to this event because, you know, if anybody's got to the end here and I'll probably do an intro where I'll mention it as well, but Richard might make it if his car gets gets fixed and mine is also off the road. And so here we are, both stranded. I'm organising the event. I want Richard to come along to it, but he didn't check his messages, so he's not speaking. Uh, I know, next, yeah. I'm, next I'm, one, next one you're speaking. Definitely. Next Book me in. Book me in. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Always you a pleasure. Too.